You're listening to the Earmark edition of Laying Down the Law with Billy DeClerc, Esquire. You can earn free NASBA-approved continuing professional education credits for listening to this episode. To get started, download the free Earmark CPE app, register for the course, take a quick quiz, and get your CPE certificate. It's that easy. Learn more at earmarkcpe.com. And now, on to the episode. Warning. Laying Down the Law is a comedy podcast intended to be humorous. Human listener discretion is advised. From the Beyond Unreasonable Doubt Studios, in association with Feitner Productions, it's Laying Down the Law! With your host, Billy DeClerc! Hey, that's me. Yeah, that's right, Billy. That's you. <sighs> Featuring Christina Moore, Artoon Nazareth, and Rob Skirbo. Only a madman would dare to bring these people together to build a world of law and order, only to tear it apart with laughter. That madman is attorney Billy DeClerc. The result is a podcast blasted to the farthest reaches of the internet. That podcast is this one, and it starts right now. Welcome to Laying Down the Law, Earmark Edition, the Law and Comedy Podcast. I'm your host, Billy DeClerc, and I'm what you'd get if David E. Kelly wrote a Chris Farley and David Spade buddy comedy movie. <laughs> Let's introduce my guest. First is a comedian and actor known for his wacky characters, his sketch performances, and improv at UCB. That's the Upright Citizens Brigade for the Uninitiated. You can see him on screen in The Connors, Stumptown, and Ghostbusters Afterlight or on stage at UCB with his Herald team, Ghost. He's also a professional hypnotist. Please welcome back to the podcast, Artun Nazareth. Sleep. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. Not going to be putting... I made this joke last time. (laughs) Not going to be putting anyone to sleep today. No. Awesome. Our next guest is engaged to wed our tune. She stands five foot five and turns 29 years old later this year. 29 years young, some people might say. Last year, she graduated from Loyola Law School of Los Angeles. That's a lot of L's, but she's not taking any L's. She took and passed the California bar exam. That's right. You can hear the applause in the background right now. And she survived Omicron. All right. She currently practices transactional law in the entertainment industry, which means she likes reading long contracts and she has no idea how to talk to a judge. She is launching a new podcast titled Cage Old Question with our tune where we ask that eternal question, is Nicolas Cage the greatest actor alive? The answer, yes. She is Christina Moore. (laughs) Hi, Billy. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. And finally, he is not engaged to our tune, but he is a comedian from the UCB theater. He says he's funny, nice, and he talks way too much. He's also humble and took my request for a short bio. Very, extremely, totally, literally. Please welcome Rob Skirbo. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hey, thanks for having me. Good luck finding anything about me. Good luck ever learning anything about me, guys. You'll never find it. You'll never find anything about me. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to hear a fight about lights. But first, a word from our sponsor or sponsors. And we're back. 
This week's case of the week is brought to you from the great state of Illinois in 1968. The case is Schlensky versus Wrigley. This is a case in which a plaintiff, William Schlensky, filed what's called a derivative action. We'll get into that against the defendant director of a corporation, Philip K. Wrigley, to force installation of lights at Wrigley Field so that the Cubs could play baseball at night. So the question of this case is, was it mismanagement by Wrigley for the Chicago Cubs to refuse to install lights in Wrigley Fields in the 1960s? All right, here's the background. Philip K. Wrigley, the chewing gum magnet, was a director of the Chicago National League Ball Club, which is the company that owned the Chicago Cubs at the time. The plaintiff, Schlensky, was an investor in the corporation. And so this is where I'm going to take a side note and just explain what a derivative mm -hmm. action is. Uh, Christina, you can jump in at any time if I get this wrong because <laughs> I'm a corporate lawyer. I'm usually not accountable for my legal acumen. So I just, you know, everybody believes what I'm saying. <laughs> so Philip Wrigley owned about 80% of the corporation. And this Schlensky was an investor in the corporation. He held a minority share, meaning he couldn't control it. He's a, a small shareholder. Because Wrigley's got 80%. No one's even, the no one's even Chicago close Cubs. to this guy. <laughs> right. He basically, if what he says goes. Yeah. He's also on the board of directors. So he's a shareholder and he's on the board of directors and he's an officer. Those are three different roles. Okay. So shareholder is like the owner of a corporation. Like if you buy stock in say uh, Twitter and you, <laughs> you buy a share, share in it. Um, okay, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. A director is those are the people that are appointed to run the company. They're not employees. They're um, sometimes they're shareholders and sometimes they're not. And an officer is the person who's responsible for the day to day operations. So the CEO, the CFO, all those roles, those are the officers of the corporation. Sometimes someone can be all three. And in the case of Philip Wrigley, he was all three. So a derivative lawsuit is a lawsuit where a shareholder derives the right to stand in the shoes of the corporation, meaning the corporation should sue a director or should sue a shareholder or should sue one of its officers, but it's not going to because that person is in control. So Wrigley's never going to cause the Chicago National League Ball Club, the Chicago Cubs, to sue him over anything. So the process of a derivative lawsuit gives a shareholder a right to assert the rights of the corporation against a director. Now, there's a whole lot of complicated stuff about uh, how derivative lawsuits work. And there's obviously a lot of procedural yeah. hurdles because you don't want someone to come in and buy, I don't know, 9% of Twitter and then be able to force a lawsuit against the directors for doing something. You want to protect the directors to make their best business judgment. And this is a case about business judgment. In fact, we care about business judgment so much, we made it a rule. Mm. Not surprisingly, it's called the business judgment rule. How apt. Easy to remember. Here's what Schlensky said that Philip Wrigley did wrong. Yeah, let's hear it. Philip Wrigley was well known for opposing uh, the installation of lights at Wrigley Field. And if you know your baseball stadium history, you know that there were no lights at Wrigley Field for a long time. Since night baseball had first been played in 1935, 19 out of the 20 major league teams had night games. In 1966, out of a total of 1,620 games in the major leagues, 932 were played at night. Wow. The, 
Plaintiff Schlansky said every member of the major leagues other than the Chicago Cubs scheduled almost all of its home games in 1966 at night, except for opening day, Saturdays, Sundays, holidays, and days where night games were not allowed based on rules. And this was done for the purpose of maximizing attendance because you know what people do during the day? They work. And so they can't go to a ball game if they're working. That's bad for America. People are going to baseball games. We needed them here at the office. Well, we need to think about what Philip Wrigley's incentives are. Like, you know, his Cubs investment is fun money. Where he really makes money is the chewing gum. And we all know you can't chew gum at work. So you got to get them in the ballpark during the day so they can chew the gum. Is this real or is this a bit? <laughs> this is a bit. The, the gum part? Is, that's the a gum bit. part is a bit. Okay, bu- good, good. That's a bit. His eyes like, were so big. Was like, he was right. freaking out. I was like, that's right. That's right. You have to chew gum during <laughs> You true. can't chew gum at work. They'll you make can't you spit chew, it out. You can't chew gum at work. You can't chew gum at school. You can't chew gum at night. If yeah. we want to spread more rumors around, um, something I've heard as well is that a Mr. Wrigley owned property near the baseball stadium. And if you were holding more games at night, then you were getting more noise pollution at night and that property value was going down. So there's a possibility that there were some other personal motivations behind this decision not to hold night games. But like I said, this is kind of a rumor. I'm not really substantiating this. It's the same (laughs) as the gun thing. That's true. That's gotta be true. That actually sounds right because that's one of the reasons that Wrigley gave was that it would cause problems in the local neighborhood. Uh, There's no mention of the fact that he's a property owner. But that was one of the reasons that he gave. So the court looks at this case. And by the way, this comes before the court on what's called a motion to dismiss, which is very, very early in the case. So right away after the lawsuits filed, the defendant says, throw the case out. There's no case here. You can't sue me for that. Doesn't matter whether what you say is true or what you say is false. There's no you don't have the right to sue me for that. So the real question is here, right or wrong, true or false, whether any of these things are true or not, can you even sue somebody for making a decision to not hold night games? This is a federal 12B6 dismissal. Oh, now for oh. those of you that aren't lawyers, <laughs> federal. I just got chills. I just for, got chills also down for my all, spine. For all the listeners, Billy put on his glasses right now. I, I did, and I'm holding up a book. It's, uh, it's a law book, Business Associations. This is a, it's a state course case, uh, case in the Illinois Court of Appeal. It's not federal 12B6. My assumption is that it's a, um, let me see. I, I only asked not to freak you out just because I didn't want to say something wrong, but it might still be equivalent of like, of jumping in here of what my professors would tell me is that the defendant is saying, even if all of this is true, even if I did this and you hate it, you have no legal right to bring me to court. You need to go home and stuff it. Yep. Um, And sometimes the court agrees. That's right. It's the Illinois state court equivalent of 12B6 motion. And for those of you who don't know, in the United States of America, we have two overlapping court systems. One is a patchwork of 50 states that each have individual state court jurisdictions. And then a United States federal court jurisdiction that essentially flows out of the U.S. Constitution. So when the, when the Constitution was formed, the framers believed that the state courts would manage kind of like all of the criminal law, all of the civil law, and that the only reason we would need federal courts was to basically resolve conflicts between the states. Fast forward 200 plus years, we now have a dual overlapping jurisdictions. The essential thing you need to understand is under the principles of federalism, Federalism is an idea that the federal government has limited powers and the states have basically original powers. And so 
the federal court system is our courts of limited jurisdiction, meaning only cases or controversies that either arise under the laws of the United States, federal laws, for example, oh, HIPAA, that one's in the news a lot. HIPAA is a federal law that governs your portability of healthcare and also certain privacy rights. So anything that arises under the federal laws, you can sue directly in the federal courts. So federal court is original jurisdiction of the laws of the United States. Everything else is state court law. Now, the case that was too complicated to bring in today, uh, this Eisenberg versus Flying Tiger Line, that's 451 F second 267 arising out of the Second Circuit in 1971 for the nerds. Oh. Um, that was a federal case, and that arose under the other way you get into federal court, two paths to federal court. One is federal question, meaning there's a federal law involved. The other is a dispute between people from different states. Yes, that okay? makes sense. That makes because sense. basically the framers said, well, it's not fair if you're from New York and you're from Massachusetts. Well, you don't want to sue in, you know, in the, the courts of New York. That's not fair. You're going to get hometown every single time. So, oh, so and we, we don't want you to have to go to, to, to Boston because um, you can get hometown every single time. Um, and, and Boston will hometown you. Absolutely. You're going to get hometown. You're going to get hometown in Chicago. So, so the point being that um, they, the framers thought, look, if this is between, if this is a lawsuit between people from different states, we want to give them a place that they can feel is fair. That's a national court system. And so that is called diversity jurisdiction. Now, understand that these were all white male landowners. So they didn't mean the kind of diversity we talk about today. <laughs> they, what they mean by diversity is y'all's from Virginia and y'all's from South Carolina. So that's diversity. Yeah. And also if you're suing someone from another country or someone from another country is suing you, that can be in the federal courts. And then there's a whole bunch more other stuff about, about diversity jurisdiction and all the different rules. And we don't really care about that. The long, 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 long answer to Christina's very good question is it's in Illinois state court because most likely Sholinsky was an Ohio resident and so was Wrigley. Hey friends, producer Jeff here. I'm not a lawyer and I'm not here to tell Billy his business. However, I'm fairly certain that Sholinsky and Wrigley were Illinois residents and that's why this landed in an Illinois court. Back to the show. If they weren't, then most likely they would have gone to federal court. Not always true, but most likely. <laughs> that was awesome. That it was, was incredible. Yeah. I learned a lot. Okay, well, um, good. The next time you get sued in federal court, you'll know you broke a federal law. Probably the IRX, IRS tax code. Yes. <laughs> okay. The Cubs, between 1961 and 1965, sustained losses from its direct baseball operations. Now, understand the Cubs have other businesses. They have the stadium, the concessionaires. They make most of their money on the popcorn and chewing gum. Um, but the plaintiff says, look, you, the losses, the reason you're having losses at Wrigley Field is because there's inadequate attendance at the home games. So Schlensky argues that if the directors continue to refuse to install lights at Wrigley Field and night baseball games, the Cubs will continue to lose money and its financial condition will continue to deteriorate. So again, the, he's trying to sue on behalf of the Chicago Cubs entity as yeah. a shareholder to sue Wrigley for making this decision because he's hurting the corporation. Because he's saying it's been 30 years. It's been 30 years of everybody else doing night games. 
and we're not doing night games and you can see we're not making as much money, you got to knock it off because the number one rule of corporations is we got to make money. We got to make money and as much as possible. And so Shlensky's like, what the heck is going on? But the secret number one rule of corporations is the business judgment rule. That's exactly right, Christina. And actually, there's another case in this chapter of the textbook of Ford versus Dodge. And apparently, I don't know if you know this, but Ford and Dodge were partners early on, and the Dodge brothers sued Henry Ford because he wasn't paying distributions. And so that case gets cited in this case because the the cardinal rule, the reason that that corporations exist is to drive profits to their shareholders. They don't exist for any other reason. So they have these two rules that are really in conflict. The one being the the primacy of shareholder profits and the other being the business judgment rule, which is we defer to the judgment of the directors to decide what to do. And to be clear, that that Ford v. Dodge case is so amazing because it sets the legal precedent and the law for just because you are the head of a corporation doesn't mean you can treat your workers better at the expense of shareholder profits. You are literally not allowed to just start treating your workers better if shareholders won't be making as much money. So when you think about what the world looks like today with how uh, Starbucks is acting and how different corporations act, you can see that it's been legalized um, through the decades. But the business judgment rule is, is giving a lot of credit to the people running these corporations saying they're doing their best they we have to assume that they're acting reasonably because it's a tough job running a corporation that's exactly right yeah, yeah and and just for, for context the profit and the wages point is really a great point specifically what happened because i i did actually prepare for this time henry ford overnight doubled his workers salaries from 250 an hour to five dollars an hour to basically screw over the dodge brothers he said you know what i think i want to make my workers have more money in their pockets i want to drive the economy they can buy more cars that way and the dodge brothers were like but the profits but the distributions where's our money we're the shareholders so um if you feel like your wages are too low today you can blame the dodge brothers all right so if you got you see you see a dodge car you know you know which car to hit with it Mm-hmm. I'm already <laughs> I'm already going on the internet right now looking for all the dodges in my neighborhood. <laughs> I'm like, you guys they better, better be watch dodging. out. You guys, they better be dodging. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So plaintiff also pointed out that except for the year 1963, at every single home game, attendance was lower than their away games. Many of the away games were played at night. And so he compares the attendance at the Cubs games to the Chicago White Sox, which is in the American League, and whose weekday games were generally played at night. The weekend attendance numbers for the Cubs and the White Sox were basically the same. But the weekday games for the Sox had many more people at them than the Cubs weekday games. And so the plaintiff says, we got to install lights. You got to get more people. We got to get the butts in the seats. And the way to do it is put in lights, play at night. And, and Wrigley's just says, no, I'm not going to do it. I refuse. I don't think baseball should be played at night. And I'm not going to allow it at my stadium. <laughs> it's already being played at night. But he's like, you know what? Uh-huh. Play it at night on your terms. But he on said, my turf. Literally, his quote is, baseball is a daytime sport. This is like not even like that far off from like people – today that i know like yeah. that would own own like this is like 
I know people, I, grew, I grew up in Phoenix and like Scottsdale can afford to put a stadium in, but they don't even want to put a stadium in because of like traffic. And they're like, oh, we don't want things going on at night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like wealthy people are always like, I can't handle stuff going on at night ever. It's bad. Mm-hmm. It's bad. Go to bed. Like they're just confused. They get confused. That's all I got to say. Wealthy people yeah. get confused at night. Okay. They're confused. <laughs> they're very, they're very powerful during the day. It's much harder <laughs> so to count your money. You know, it's like they're by candlelight, right? And they're just counting yeah. their gold coins and stacking up. It's so hard to see. It's so confusing. They're just back. It's like carrying sacks of money from one room to another. So, they... <laughs> so plaintiff said, look, you could easily get the financing for lights. You could easily borrow the money and it would be more than offset by the increased revenues. This is ridiculous. Uh, Shlensky says that Wrigley refused to install lights, not because he cares about the best interests of the corporation, but because of his personal opinions that baseball is a daytime sport. And that installation of lights would have a deteriorating effect on the surrounding neighborhood. That's a quote. Um, so I think the theory about him owning property is a good one. The allegations of the complaint, and again, at this stage on a motion to dismiss 12B6 for the F Federal Rules of Civil, Civil Procedure, but on this motion to dismiss, we take everything that is alleged in the complaint as true. Uh, Shlensky doesn't have to prove anything. He just needs to say it. He alleges that Wrigley has admitted he doesn't care whether the Cubs would make money from playing games at night. He cares about the neighborhood and he would be willing to let the team play night games only if they get a new stadium. It's just what Christina said. It's, it's, it's about property. It's just, it's about his property. It's about property. It's just, he doesn't want to, he thinks it's going to devalue his home. I think or something weird. It's like all about a money game, you know, personal gain. I mean, not, uh, for the team. Yeah. It's very funny. It's, it's very personal to, and you know, he's 80% of the company. So basically what he says goes. And so the court says, uh, sorry, your complaint is tossed out. You can't sue him because of the business judgment rule. Basically the, the court kind of bends over backwards to help out, uh, Mr. Wrigley. And he says, well, there are all these different reasons that maybe it could be, you know, in the best interest of the corporation, you know, maybe it would lower the property value of the ballpark, or um, maybe he can't really get financing, or maybe they wouldn't really make their money back. And basically the judges say, we're not going to substitute our judgment for the judgment of the biggest shareholder director, and most likely the guy who's contributing to our reelection campaign. What kind kind of gum are these judges chewing? I think it's double. You know I, mean? <laughs> I know. I just love to see that scene in an HBO drama about this, where at the end of the episode, they're like, what's going on? And then you look and the judge is chewing the gum and, it, and right. it's, like, it's like, it fades to black and you go, that's uh, life. You know, that's, that's big red. That's, that's what big it is. Yeah. It's big red. <laughs> yep. The courts basically says, read a quote directly from the case. It cannot be said that directors even the directors of corporations that are losing money must follow the lead of other corporations in the field. This is in response to the point that all the other ball clubs are making money um, with their games at night. Directors are elected for their business capabilities and judgment, and the courts cannot require them to forego their judgment because of the decisions of the other companies. Courts may not decide these questions in the absence of a clear showing of dereliction of duty on the part of the specific directors and a mere failure to follow the crowd is not a dereliction of duty. 
I love this because on the one hand, I feel like Rob was doing a good job of, of expressing how preposterous it is of like, it's so clearly obvious that he's not following the standards and customs of everybody else in the industry who's making this out of money. Like everybody's like, you obviously should be doing this. But on the other hand, you do have a point of like, Reed Hastings, Netflix, that when you have these breakout corporations and industries that are breaking away from the blockbusters and the other, and they're changing the model, like you don't have to act the way the rest of the industry is, because if we squash that, now you don't get new chances to profit, 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 baby. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And one of the things too, that's not really so true. Yeah. That, that's not, we, we don't really get here so much is that um, the point about if, if Wrigley owned property near the field and that was his real um, reason, I think you get a different result because there is um, there's another doctrine that's related called fiduciary duty, which means you can't put your own personal interests out of the corporation. So had Schlensky had some facts that said mm. the real reason that Wrigley is doing this isn't because he's just opposed to baseball at night or and isn't just because he thinks that it's going to somehow devalue the stadium. It, what it really is, is he has this other reason, this other nefarious reason. He's benefiting his his chewing gum empire because it's going to somehow, you know, like it needed to be something related to um, Wrigley breaching that fiduciary duty, doing things that weren't in the best interest of the corporation that was in his personal interest. And then I think you get past the then you get past the business judgment rule. Here, it's just alleged that he's making bad business decisions and you don't get to sue your corporate directors because their business decisions are bad. It's just such an insane thing to not want to put lights in a baseball stadium, like <laughs> to me. But I also, I think it's so true though, at the same time that like, he doesn't have to put lights in it if he doesn't want to. Like, also, that's also like, I'm like, also like, I guess, I'm surprised the judge wasn't like a big baseball fan. It feels like if they're chewing gum or mm -hmm. if they're that kind of in that culture that the judge is like, honestly, I would love to go to a night game. Like, like it just feels like, right. Yeah. But it's just interesting. This is very interesting that it's just over like lights and that it clearly would work. It kind of feels like an episode of succession and that you just are upset with like Logan Roy. And you're like, is he just old and crazy or is he actually right? You know what I mean? Like, is, is my captain crazy? Like, is he going the wrong way because he's crazy or is he going the opposite way because he's been around forever and he Cause, knows that it doesn't matter. Cause sometimes you know? the fish has to swim the other way. They, you know, they know. Better. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic, Rob. That's so insightful. I love the sound of your voice, Sartin. <laughs> Woo, is it getting hot in here? Getting hot in here. Getting hot I am. <laughs> I am engaged. I am engaged to someone in this in this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh there, wow! There's there's lights at Wrigley Field now, right? There are. So okay. a postscript a postscript uh, to this um, case is that um, the Cubs didn't have night games for decades. They didn't install lights at Wrigley Field until 1988. And the reason was the MLB officials basically announced that they wouldn't have any postseason games in the future unless they put lights in. <laughs> so before then, every game at Wrigley Field had been played during the day, with one exception, um, which I'll get into. And even today, there's a limited number of night games at Wrigley Field based upon an agreement with city council. Wow. In 1942, well before this case, Wrigley had actually planned to install lights, but they were scrapped for the World War II effort. And July 1st, 1943, the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League's mid-season all-star game 
was played under temporary lights at Wrigley Field between teams composed of the South Bend Blue Sox and the Rockford Peaches players against the Kenosha Comets and the Racine Bells players. It was the first night game ever played in the ballpark. That is a nugget that someone needs, like, if someone in the industry is listening, you got to buy that, buy the rights to that right now. I know that's just <laughs> such a, a nugget of, like, that's just such a nugget of weird info right there. Like, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. That's I would think you absolutely. Did I just blow I your love mind? a poster or a tattoo that says Rockford Peaches play at night. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, it was, this, <laughs> it was the South Bend Blue Sox and the Rockford Peaches. So I guess the, the Rockford Peaches. And did you know that and there was a Kenosha Comets? A Kenosha Comets? And the racing right. bells. Yeah. So Are you telling me these Redskins teams can't change their names to be something like Seriously. the peaches or the comics or the bells. That'd be way better. Yeah. It's also I love the idea that they're like, F it. We're just gonna everyone bring a lamp to the stadium. Women can see in the dark. Yeah. That's, that's actually, actually true. Yeah, that, that's actually yep. true. That's canon. <laughs> <laughs> you guys could see in the dark? Oh man. I'm like, that's cool. This became an issue four years before the 1988 installation of the lights. In 1984, the World Series were supposed to start in the National League Park. Knowing that the Cubs didn't have lights, the MLB had a contingency plan. So if the Cubs made the World Series, they were going to start the series at the American League Park if the Cubs won the NCLS against the San Diego Padres. And then the Wrigley Field games, the daytime games, would have been held over the weekend. But the Padres beat the Cubs, and so none of it mattered. <laughs> Damn. Losers don't get lights. That's right. That's right. Well, they were gonna they weren't even gonna get lights. They were just gonna get weekend games. So um too bad Cubs. And then the 1980s, the Cub management were fighting to get lights. They said the team would leave Wrigley Field if they didn't get lights. And Major League Baseball basically threatened to play all the postseason home games at Bush Stadium in St. Louis. I'm not that familiar, but it seems like that's a threat. That's a real threat. <laughs> that's a real threat. We're gonna take your ass to Bush Stadium. <laughs> It's also, that's like their rivals. It's just very, it's helping another business. Like right. you're like, well, we're going to make them like, it's just very confusing. The, at this point in the eighties too, you're like, just uh, put the lights in like, like Bruce yeah. Springsteen's on the charts right. at the time. <laughs> he's, he's going like Reagan is trying to run for president. You know, uh -huh. he's been, it's like been a weird time. And the Cubs are like, should we put lights in? Yeah. There's like, he's like, there's like these cocaine fueled wall street parties yeah. in the MLB. Yeah. And they're like, I don't know what we ought to do. Should we put lights in Wrigley field? That's crazy. Like, it's just such a funny thing to be like, we got to put lights in this baseball stadium eventually. And it's like waiting until the eighties is crazy. Like star Wars has been out yeah. like, uh -huh. and you're sitting there in the theater and they're going, by the way, we got to talk about the light situation at yeah. one point. Yeah. At that point in time, there were three star Wars movies. And like, there was like rumors, like, did you know, George Lucas is like, got other episodes of star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> There's like, I remember as a kid growing up, I was like, they're like, did you know that, that, did you notice that Star Wars is episode four? There's actually nine parts. I'm like, where are the other six parts? What the fuck? <laughs> and then I completely grow up, go to college, and then I get Jar Jar Binks. What? I'm so yeah. disappointed. I'm a little Betrayal. older than y'all. But, um, but no, but that's such a Jar Jar Binks like, hurts every generation. Yeah, yeah, it really does. And like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, 
like I, I was a kid when Jar Jar came out and I was part of that generation that like was too dumb to understand. Like I was just like, I love Jar Jar. Like, I, was free, I was like five. I was and my dad and it was probably killing, killing every adult in the room. Me just going Jar Jar was awesome. And like, there have to be nice to me because I'm five. Me so it's a stereotype. Me so yeah. it's a stereotype. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. We, Did you see the thing that it's canonical that Jar Jar Binks' father tried to kill himself because Jar Jar was so annoying when they got marooned on an island together? Oh, wow. No, I What didn't. is this? This is canon. This is, is another it? rumor and or canon. So. Is, this fan, is this fan fiction? I don't know. I reported it as canon, so yep. you'll have wow. to Google it later. That's right. Christina seems to have uh, her finger on the pulse with as many rumors <laughs> as possible. Oh <laughs> I also love a person that is ready to dish a rumor like That's with right. confidence. Yeah. I feel like I'm on TMZ and I'm just <laughs> pointing at you and you're like, Jar Jar's father killed himself. And I'm like, yeah. oh, right. wow. <laughs> yeah. That's like so seriously dark episodes. Like they're like, oh, I thought Empire was the darkest episode. No, <laughs> no. It's the it's, it's the Jar Jar prequel. That's gonna be coming to you on Disney Plus soon. Yeah. And what's so troubling is they're Gungans, so I'm pretty sure they're good swimmers, but they're they're marooned on this island and <laughs> there's no way off. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Don't the Gungans like they go under they can breathe underwater? Yeah, they have they have an excellent underwater <laughs> skills. More and more like I'm getting fact checked, but <laughs> no, no, we're 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 going with this. We we agree yeah. this is canon. Yep. So five thousand six hundred and eighty-seven consecutive day games were played by the Cubs at Wrigley Field. Wow. The lights were finally lit on August eighth, nineteen eighty-eight. Eight eight eighty-eight. The day that will live in infamy against the Philadelphia Phillies. However. God had other plans. The game got rained out after three and a half innings. Those Cubs. Those so the Cubs. first official night game actually took place the second, the next night against <laughs> the New York Mets and the Cubs won six to four. Good for you can't that. Write, you can't write anything better than that. That's like, I, I love Moneyball because it's a great baseball movie, but let's talk about that. This movie about the lights, about the I mean, lights Pixar, where's Pixar. They got to do a movie about the lights. Like they could yeah. do a whole movie where the lights are talking and they're like, uh -huh. you know, I don't know. Light bulbs. It would be birds. one of their, one of their ones with no dialogue. You know how like the beginning oh, of the like, up, like there's is, absolutely yeah. no dialogue for the first act. By the way, up the first, the whole movie is the first act. That's the best part of that movie, by the way. Yeah. When we come back, we're going to do some improv. Okay, here we go. Are you guys okay? Okay, let's. We're back. We're back. We're back. I feel like we're back. I feel like I've been holding my breath. Oh, we're really back. <laughs> and we're back. We're back, folks. For those of you new to laying down the law, we're gonna do we're gonna do a little improv. And if you don't know what improv is, you're about to find out. Say, boy, have you ever yep. considered chewing a piece of gum at night? You know, I used to chew gum at night all the time till my teeth fell out. Now, now I only chew it during the day because my, my teeth can't really hold it. And I'm worried I'm going to swallow it, choke and die. That's right. I've always said, if you don't have teeth, you better chew during the day. Now, I actually need you for a campaign. See, I've, I, hello, it's me, Mr. Wrigley. Yes, I know who you are, Mr. Wrigley. I've yes, been yes, yes. mowing yeah. your lawn for 30 years. That's right. That's right. And you're, you're, you've grown up to be such a strong boy. You've grown up to be such a strong boy. <laughs> now, I got no I'm, teeth at age 35 and yeah, I started I, mowing at age five, you know, that's right. Yes. And, and my, I always I say, like to introduce myself to my backstory. Yes. And he, and here's a quarter for today's work. All right. You keep that up. You keep that up now. Thank you. Now, look, I, I don't want to say this uh, too directly, but I will. I've, 
poisoned all of my night gum. Uh, and all of my day gum is perfectly good. Now, this is due to a long, controversial plan I have to uh, keep Wrigley Field from having night games. It's a principal thing, as well as I have a really nice uh, four-bedroom, three-bath uh, sitting right on the edge. And let me tell you, I like to go to bed at 9 p.m. I'm not trying to look for night games here. So I'm going to make a commercial with you. I need oh. you to sh- <laughs> Yes. I need you to show, show, smile big and say, I chewed gum at night and lost all my teeth. But if I chewed gum during the day, I'd be a strong, healthy boy. We, okay. cut to the com- we cut to the commercial. All right, guys, I'm very excited. This is one of my first gigs directing, finally. Uh, so I just appreciate the cast. And you guys are you guys are wonderful. And well, what's your name, kid? You're so strong. You're so strong. Uh, it's a boy, boy. Okay, boy, 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 yes. boy. You are like six foot five and you just smell like milk and I love it. Uh, you I've been are told just, that. You just, we got to get you more milk. Okay, so this is the thing. Um, Mr. Wrigley, can you come here for a second? Yes, right here, yes. Do you, do you want to, you, you're all dressed up. Do you want to be in this commercial? Is that is that what you're trying to do too? Are you trying to be in the commercial? I'll happily be in the commercial. Thank you for asking. I thought you'd never ask. Um, yes, I'll just stand in the back um, and, you know, yeah. Uh, Yes, you we know. What to do. You stand yes. in the back. That's and I'll say, and I'll say at the end, and yes, it's me, Mr. Regley. Okay, okay, good. This is going to be really good. Okay, we're just going to roll on the first take. Okay, we're just going to roll. We're going to do a, We're going to do one take. Okay. Okay. All right, <laughs> boy, boy. I want you just to just be yourself. I love your energy. Okay. Okay, fantastic. Well, okay, I- guys. <laughs> okay, what's what were you going to say? What were you going to say, buddy? I don't know. Are we rolling? I've never done this before. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be fine. Okay, ready? Okay. A- action. I should come at night and all the teeth go out. Cut to board meeting. Mr. Wrigley's presenting that you know we all agree here that we've gathered here today to mm-hmm. discuss um, uh, Mr. Wrigley's proposal that baseball is exclusively a daytime sport, um, and that despite this company's hemorrhaging cash from all points, we should continue to do everything possible to keep baseball a daytime sport. Uh, Mr. Wrigley, would you like to go ahead with your your plan for the commercial to make this happen? Yes, I'm looking to air this commercial. Now I know we're hemorrhaging cash. I know it's been brought up. In fact, we're we're in the the red, as they say. Uh, I'm looking to play this commercial. Now this is boy boy. We all know mows my lawn. Uh, He's screaming into the camera straight, (laughs) full frontal. um, I've chewed gum and I lost all my teeth at night. Uh, Then, of course, I say, and hello, it's me, Mr. Wrigley. Uh, We're going to play this ad every station, which I believe at this day, there's three. Uh, So all three, we got all three stations. And I want to play between everything. And I think to answer your initial question, it'll be nice. Wonderful. So I think we should put it to a board vote. Whether well, or not I just want to be heard for just a minute here. I'm. Uh, this is Bob Titanic. I'm the founder of the Titanic. As you remember, uh, famously, uh, my ship sunk 34, 30 years ago. And we're ago. so sorry about that. I was just des- de- desperately disappointed. They yeah. said it was unsinkable. They told me it was unsinkable. Uh, I just want to say, I think this is a fantastic idea. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, uh, my name's Jared. I work here as well. Just, you know, I have no, uh, I, when my family is that German? died. At, is that German? 
Jared? I work here as well. Oh, that's you work here as well. That's not your last name. Yes, that's right. That's, that's right. <laughs> You're funny, Mr. Wrigley. No, I just also I lost my family in the Titanic. I don't, I'm just uh, I lost my family, my whole family in the Titanic. But also, that's just me trying to be included in what we were all talking about. Anyway, well, no, and you know what? It's look. I I know this is a bit of an aside, but thanks so much for being so cordial with Bob. I know it's been a very contentious point for you, but you've really put the past behind you, and it's only. Been about thirty to fifty years. Since thirty to fifty years. years. It's, 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 it's not as awkward as you think. It's not as awkward as you think. I, I honestly don't. When I don't, I don't blame him. You know, I don't blame him anymore. I just blame that. Blame that damn iceberg. You know. That's right. <laughs> if I could get my hands on that iceberg, that's where I'd really need to bring in federal. Ring in the FBI on that one. All right. Get all the, you know what I always say? It's what I always say. You know, some days you're the Titanic and some days you're the iceberg. It's just the saying I always say, but I wish you didn't say it so much. I wish you didn't say it so much (laughs) because I lost everybody. I know I lost everybody. I know on that ship, but I'm very sorry for your loss. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Anyway, anyway, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, okay, okay. Well, did you? I'm just glad to say that the board members all get along so well. I think it'll make it easy enough for us to put this to a vote whether or not we want to ratify Mr. Wrigley's proposal for this commercial for uh, uh, the continued message baseball is a daytime sport. So, by a raise of hands, all in approval of Mr. Wrigley's. Well, I'm raising my hand because I think that anything that over that over promises and under delivers is a great idea. Fantastic. Excellent. And of course, I'm raising and hello, it's me, Mr. Wrigley, in case anyone was wondering. I know it's just the four of us, but I am Mr. Wrigley. (laughs) Entered into the minutes. I'm going to raise my hand. I have a picture of the only thing I own is a painting of my family and it's a abstract painting. So I don't even really remember what their faces look like. It's just uh, anyway, I put my hand up. uh, And and might I say again, look, I'm again so magnanimous to be so cordial with Bob Titanic. And thank you again for selling pretty much every earthly possession you have simply to get on the board of the <laughs> Chicago Cubs. Uh, we really appreciate you have, having you here. Hey, I just followed the cash flow, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I just followed uh, the cash. Want a hot dog? Yeah, I'll take a hot dog. A- anybody else want a hot dog? Uh, I'll take two. Okay. No. Okay, so three hot dogs? Okay. Hot dogs, well, yeah. He's having one. I'm having two. That's three. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I'll be right back. Anybody want a beer? How about a beer? Yeah, I'll take a beer. I'll have two. All right. Where are you from, two? <laughs> well, as you know, I'm from the Mid-Atlantic. <laughs> the Mid Atlantic. What about it's a it's a, it's a as I could finally place your place your your, <laughs> your cadence. Yeah, you know what? It doesn't feel fair that I'm getting one and he's getting two. Let me tell you, it just doesn't sit right with me. Let me tell you. Let me tell you, it doesn't sit right with me. Where's your accent from? It sounds like I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Vaguely Upper Eastern Seaboard. (laughs) The the Upper Eastern Seaboard. Yes. And you know what? I know it's just a matter of payment, but I think there's something criminal about what's going on here. Oh, I agree. What's criminal is the price of these hot dogs and beer. 
So what I say is you and I get together and we sue this hot dog man. Okay, this is escalating so fast, guys. You didn't think it was going to happen, did you? <laughs> I didn't think that. I invited you to. I invited you to to this game. And you guys get caught up in just like scheming some kind of lawsuit every five seconds. Look, we, we all come from three different places. And I'm, I, I am reverting That's not unusual. My, I'm reverting back to my original accent now that I'm from the Eastern Seaboard. From the Eastern Seaboard. The Upper Eastern Seaboard. And, you know, I know we all grew up in uh, Pennsylvania together. Yeah. Through different times. <laughs> different. different yeah, we grew up in different times in Pennsylvania. Times. And this, I've, you know, as you know, I would try to, we try to sue you every five Every minutes, time we, we get every together. Every time we get together. Every time. And it's always been a failure. It's always, it's never well, working no, out. Well, it's because it's like about something very strange. Like, it's always like, oh, he didn't really have many ice cubes at his house. Let's see what we can. Let's see uh, what we can get. Yeah, let's see yet, what we can get. And I'm like, and I'm right there. You guys right. could just talk to me. You guys could talk to me instead of scheming some kind of lawsuit. Now, at the state level, it's always been thrown out very quickly. In fact, the judge rolls uh, her eyes and uh, just uh, goes, "Please get out of my courtroom. Don't bother me." Wait. She just belittles you, and then you you guys end up on the internet, and you kind of just become clickbait. And and everyone, then, you're just getting roasted on the internet constantly. It's so embarrassing. It's, I can't I can't go anywhere. You you see, that's why I'm wearing a full cloak right now. That's right. But now that I have <laughs> adopted this persona for the last five years, I'm suing you federally. You see, I'm suing you from the Eastern Seaboard to. He's from the, he's from the, 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 the middle of the Midwest. The middle of the Midwest. <laughs> exactly. And how do you think a federal judge is going to take this? Huh? You think they're going to get scared? offended that you are wasting their time. I think also, what are you suing me for? I just want to get you guys hot dogs and you're spiraling. You guys are completely dressed like you guys are dressed like hitmen in, in some kind of noir film. Look, you, you invited us here to your luxury box. You offer us hot dogs and beer. We ask you for the hot dogs and beer, and then you simply belittle us about being memed on the internet. So I think that's a good basis to sue you. It's a good basis it's to sue. It's a good sue. basis to sue you. Uh, you know what? You know what, guys? I'm going to get you the hot dogs. You guys can sue me, whatever. But either way, I'm your friend. So think about that for we, just... We, yeah, and we've never said you're not our friend. Okay, <laughs> you can't sue me. You we sue you uh, affectionately, you know, like a, you know, like a friend. You give someone a high five. This one's just a little bit harder. Okay. All rise. The court of the Honorable Virginia St. Louis is now in session. Please re respect the flag over here in the corner and be seated to come to order. So what do you have for me today, gentlemen? Well, my, um, my, my friend and I, we're, we're, we, our friend keeps belittling us. All right, all right. First off, up top, I don't want anybody to waste my time. So let's get to the bottom of this. What's going on here? What are your legal claims? What do you think I can do for you here in this court today? In my court. Yeah, let me start at the beginning. Your Honor, these two are stacked on each other like the like the uh, like the 
like a Look, bunch we, of kids in a trench coat. They're stacked on each other. Let's unstack these men. It's oh, hot. Oh, 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 oh my back. My I'm back. actually relieved. It was very hot down on the bottom there. So thank Ooh. you so much for that. All right. Well, All it's, right. Uh, your honor, I'm really looking up to see you now. Um, okay, let me start at the beginning. I've had to wear a cloak everywhere I go because I've been trying to sue my friend for so long. And every time I do, I end up on the internet looking like a buffoon. Yep. And, and, and I have a problem that uh, he keeps saying my accent is itinerant. It's, <laughs> and it's you? Intermittent and itinerant. He says it's, it's sometimes it sounds like I'm from Virginia, other times Maryland. Sometimes it sounds like I'm from Delaware and sometimes from Pennsylvania. And he just, you know, he's memifying me. Click here. Yeah. Click what is this clickbait? Is it some sort of phishing thing? I, I, I feel like I'm always on the internet and there's always my picture up there and there's usually something like, you won't believe this idiot. Your Honor, I, I'm, I don't, I, I'm not here to sue my friends because they're here to try to sue me. I, I, you know, I understand, but I am worried about them. I am very much worried about their health. I'm worried about their judgment. I'm worried that they don't know what they're getting into half the time. They're constantly throwing money at the wall, trying to sue me, sue people for no reason at all. Mm-hmm. And, and I I've just... heard a lot of problems here today, a lot of problems here today. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm thinking you've got something on the nose there with throwing money at the wall. So we're going to sanction these two plaintiffs about oh, uh, $5,000 each will be due to the court, payable to the court immediately for bringing these frivolous claims into my court. And you will also be paying the attorney's fees and costs for your friend here holding three hot dogs and three beers on uh, his lap. And <laughs> this case is dismissed. Okay, well, that's looks, a good thing, right? That's a yeah, good thing, Yeah, it looks like right? we made out like bandits. We got the 12 know, You guys are we down. Got the you guys are down. We got, we, got we got it. We finally did what we needed. No, sanctions. stop stacking. Stop stacking. Don't get sanctioned. our hey, choices. I hey, feel like a winner. <laughs> yeah, let's get, oh, yeah, get, get back, back on my shoulder. Yeah, get back on my shoulder. Okay. Okay, there you go. Now I feel like home again. It feels like home again. So are we on for poker next week or what? Yeah, are we on for poker next week? Oh, you guys are always welcome. You guys are always welcome. I'm always looking to move past this kind of behavior from you guys. We, we're, we're stuck in some kind of sitcom universe with, with you two, okay? And I just feel like every day it ends. It ends with you guys not learning your lesson. And then tomorrow I'm going to wake up and you guys are going to be right back to your same old antics. And I just can't stop it. Yeah, you know, we return home changed. Question mark? It's like we always say, <laughs> punctuation? <laughs> <laughs> all right mr spielberg you know that ford versus ferrari was a big hit i know you didn't direct it don't worry but i'm saying oh i wish i could i wish i, I know could i know you were you were desperate to get into that sorry but I think, continue yes i think there's a sequel here ford versus oh. dodge holy shit I'm listening. I'm listening. Now, it's not about racing. So the audience might be a little (laughs) confused. I'm confused. Okay, keep going. But I know you mentioned previously your distaste for Dodge cars. And I think we could get an uprising. 
I'm looking to suck those those guys as hard as I can. Okay, I'm not a fighter, but I'll fight. I'll fight someone for this. What, okay, this your, is a, it's color purple. Color purple really meant a lot to me, but I'm getting a lot of backlash for directing that one. Okay, so I'm going to do it right now. Okay, this is going to be my color purple. This is for the people. Okay. okay. What's your favorite Dodge car? Or what's your excuse me least favorite Dodge car again? The Ram. I hate the Dodge Ram. Oh, God. So big. So the front, the big. front, the front is so big. Okay. I can't see what it even is. It looks like a transformer, which I produce those movies and I know. Okay. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, sorry. We're late. Mr. Kaufman. Sorry. We're late. Uh, Mr. Spielberg. I got my, uh, uh get in here, Lady Gaga. Uh, we just, um, <laughs> I'm Bradley Cooper. As you know, I always introduce myself when I walk into rooms and I'm just want to say, I'm super excited, super excited about this Ford versus Dodge movie. Mr. Spielberg, you got to make this movie. It's kind of like the big short meets uh, shortcuts. It's kind of like a, it's a new, it's a whole new take on 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 derivative litigation and on 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 insider trading, but but kind of energized. And I feel like it's it's a story for the ages, really, to be told. Yeah, Bradley and I feel like it's perfect for us and our voices. We could provide the soundtrack for it. When he called me up and told me about it, I thought oh. I have to do this. I have to do this. Oh. Sounds like a story. Lady Gaga, you are just, I love you. I just want you to play me like a puppet. And scene. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Legal Voyage. And I want to thank you for joining me, your captain, on this earmark edition of Laying Down the Law. I'd like to thank my crew, Christina, Artoon, and Rob, for joining me on this journey into madness. And listener, I'd like to thank you for coming along with us. Wherever you are, you're also here while you're there via the magic of Earmark CPE. I'd also like to thank the OG cello performance CPA, Blake Oliver, for building Earmark CPE, the mighty little app that makes learning fun and free. <clears throat> Mostly free, but now you can subscribe. Isn't that right, Blake? That's right, Billy. And speaking of mighty, thank you to the mighty Q, Quentin Feitner for the mighty cover art. Thank you for the opportunity, Billy. And uh, hey, if you listeners want some cool art of your own, you can find me at fightpro.com. Thank you to David Felton for creating the awesome all original music. And a special thank you to Jeff at Fightner Productions. Hey, that's me. <laughs> yes, Jeff. That is you. Thank you, Jeff, for making a little boy's radio show dreams into a middle-aged man's podcast reality. So until next time... Wait, what's this? You forgot something. What's that? I forgot something, you say? Yeah, you gotta do the thing. You know, the thing. All right. If you want even more of that delicious legal nut butter drenched in comedy chocolate, find the full version of this and every amazing episode of Laying Down the Law at FightPro.com or wherever in the metaverse you get your podcasts. That's F-Y-T-E-P-R-O.com. Fighter Productions is not responsible for the preceding comments related to nut butter. If you or someone you know experiences nausea, third eye blindness, sudden onset euphoria, or have an unrelenting craving for ham, seek help immediately. Laying Down the Law is protected by the Intergalactic Treaty of Euripides, Stardate 281821.90. If you'd like a transcript of the show, please send a self-addressed stamped envelope to Colonel Steve Austin, care of the Foundation for Law and Government, 221A Baker Street, Beverly Hills, 90210. 
Any likeness to real places, persons, or events is absolutely happenstance. We'd never intentionally crib real life happenings to make a podcast. We're not true crime after all. It's more likely a situation similar to the chimpanzees, typewriters, and Shakespeare, right? That's what Attorney Steve says anyway. And if you know what's good for you, you listen to Attorney Steve. I don't argue with Attorney Steve, mostly because he ain't right in the head and quite honestly frightens me a little bit. The last time we went to court, the judge started asking him all kinds of weird questions like, where did you study law and why hasn't the State Bar of California ever heard of you? Then Attorney Steve started doing this weird deep breathing meditation kind of thing and muttering under his breath about a monster truck fight and how the judge ain't got nothing on a 15,000 pound, 2,000 horsepower fire breathing death cage on wheels and then the bailiff came running with his taser and honestly, I didn't even ask Attorney Steve to come with me. It was only traffic court for God's sake. Besides, I totally parked in the loading truck when I went to the 